Welcome back to another episode of Locked On NBA Draft. My name is Richard Stamen, and I am one of the hosts uh, for Locked On Draft. You might know me better as at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Uh, you may have seen my work at MavsDraft.com. Um, this is a really fun episode. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Uh, download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locked On changing the way we talk about sports. Got a really exciting episode today. I'm going to be talking about four sleepers who I think just, for whatever reason, none of them have caught on yet. I think they're all in my top 70. Uh, They're all guys that if you're in that brand of you like finding the guys nobody else is talking about and finding a deep sleeper well before everyone else has them or just a guy who could impact the league as a second-round guy or even undrafted one day who... These are all guys I am way higher than on the norm. I think I have two of them in my top 60, and two are just right outside uh, looking in. So the first player, uh, there's going to be four of them. I'm going to start with Isaiah Wong from the University of Miami. I'm going to make my way over to the South Carolina guys and Keyshawn Bryant and A.J. Lawson. And then lastly, I'm going to end with Ferran Hunt from SMU, who, uh, if you're not familiar with him, he's a 6'8 forward who is in has elite athleticism, the likes of Jalen Green level athlete, just as a forward. Uh, that's a quick little tease for him. I feel like the other two guys, three guys might be a little bit better known, but for Ron Hunt, uh, you know, being in Dallas is someone I want to talk about. So going to dive into it right away with um, Isaiah Wong. You know, I'm going to do these. I've, I've talked about in previous episodes. If you're, this is your first time uh, listening, first of all, thank you for giving me a chance. Uh, I like doing audio scouting reports. I also do scouting reports for my website and, you know, just content elsewhere as well, where what I do is I'll give you background information, you know, height, weight, wingspan if available, hand size if available, uh, the important measurements that I see necessary, their potential role and position in the league, where they're from, what their tools and, you know, quick sales pitch on them are, uh, and then breaking down the pros, cons, overall, uh, just what their game is like in a little bit more detailed, kind of kind of uh, furthering the sales pitch. And then just some similarities that guys are, uh, for NBA players, that guys are similar to. Projected draft range, you know, if they meet expectations, what it will it look like? If they fail to meet expectations, what's their outlook? And if they exceed it, what, what role are they playing? How good are they? So going to start with Isaiah Wong. And normally I'll, I'll read the stats too. Uh, just to, you know, add some transparency there of what they've done in the past, everything like that, just to give a little background. So Isaiah Wong is a 6'3 combo guard. He weighs 180 pounds. I don't have the wingspan or hand measurement just yet. It's usually stuff that comes with the NBA combine in time. Uh, I'm going to read his freshman stats because I think it's important to understand just how much of a jump he took as a sophomore this year. So as a freshman, he averaged 7.7 points per game on 41.5% shooting, 37% from three, and 83% from the line. He also had three rebounds per game, one assist per game, half a steal, 1.7 turnovers. So obviously as a freshman, that didn't jump out, but that was in 21 minutes per game. He got about 50% increase in his minutes, went up from 21 to 35, Um Actually, a lot more than 50%. What am I saying? My math is off. That is almost double the minutes um, that he played, just seven short of doubling it. He went from 7.7 points per game to 17 points per game, kept the efficiency, actually upped it from 41.5 to 43. The three-point percentage dipped, uh, but he also took three times more. Uh, Threes, he went from 37% to 34.7. 
free throw percentage doubled, uh, or I'm sorry, free throw attempts doubled, but the percentage dipped two points, uh, two to three points, nothing major on there, nothing worth looking at because he still shot 80% from the line, which is massive. Uh, and then rebounding went from three to five. Assists went from one to 2.4. Uh, notable, really important thing that stands out to me is that he had 1.7 turnovers per game as a freshman, kept it pretty much the same 1.8 turnovers per game as a sophomore, uh, and then doubled his steals per game from 0.5 to 1.1, and the blocks pretty much stayed the same. Kind of irrelevant for a point guard. So enough with the numbers on Isaiah Wong. Let's dive into what makes him uh, such an intriguing prospect and why I have him in my top 60. So the quick sales pitch for him is that you get a combo guard with great athleticism, ability to create space, and high-level instincts, and you know just overall intangibles that will make him stick. A little bit more in detail on the offensive game, on the offensive end, his game is pretty. You know, it's tied to his athleticism. He has a great first step, uh, which also allows him to create space. I've talked about this in the past with Trey Mann, how, you know, he has the ability to just blow by his man at first to an extent. And this is more true with Isaiah Wong. But the first step, he makes his defense pay for uh, overcommitting and then comes around and just will, you know, tie you back. And that's automatically space right there. So, that's one of his best tools. He has a great athleticism, which allows for that just effortlessly. And then additionally, you know, on top of the creation, he's able to use his athleticism getting to the rim and being able to finish through contact or at least absorb contact. Um, you know, he shot at the rim, I, I believe it was like 58% um, for the year, which is average. It's not a, you know, one way or the other. The other doesn't really tell much, but he's comfortable finishing at the rim, can finish above the rim, or below the rim with craft, those are you know that's a huge swing uh, skill to be able just to rely on your athleticism at the rim or skill, two very obviously important things there, and then also you know he has a quick handle. I think that's that's a huge thing for a guard of course to be able to break guys down. You know tight handle doesn't really turn the ball over as I emphasized earlier. You don't really have to worry about mistakes when Wong has the ball. That's not not in his game at all. So. Um, I, I don't worry about his game not translating. And the main reason is, and this kind of ties in as a segue to defense, you know, he has a crazy motor where he doesn't give up on plays, doesn't bother, it doesn't bother him that, you know, he's 6'3", 180 and can be pushed around at ease. He's still going to go at you and make it, you have to beat him and put in work to beat him. It's not going to be a walk in the park to just stroll past him, despite the physical disadvantages. So uh, I love his motor. I love his mindset with the game. It's very obvious when you watch tape how hard of a worker he is and how high his motor is, and that's off the court and on the court. Uh, I think that's something that just raises your floor as an NBA prospect. Um, last thing about his uh, on his strengths, you know, I talked about this will kind of be a segue into to three-point shooting, but his three-point shooting's not the greatest. 35%'s okay. Um, he is really comfortable and though in the mid-range just rising over guys, you know, great athlete, so he jumps high. Uh, like I've indicated before, can shoot over defenders off the dribble. And uh, I think that's really important. He can pretty much score from anywhere inside the arc. Uh, but getting to the cons, you know, jump shot does need to be sped up. I don't think there's necessarily much fundamentally wrong with it, but uh, his spot up shot is just not that good. It's very slow. Guys can close out. 
again, nothing mechanically wrong. It just needs to be sped up, uh, in my opinion, at least. You could probably nitpick and find something, but there's no glaring broken flaws on him on that. And then, of course, he needs to add weight. Those are the two flaws I have on him, and it's a pretty short list um, as to why, you know, I'd be low on him. Now, that being said, you know, again, you may wonder the some issues that I would have with him are how much does the athleticism weigh him down, you know, things like that with the weight, uh, excuse me, how much does the weight weigh down his athleticism? Uh, pardon me on that. And that would be my biggest concern for him. But I really don't think it's that much of an issue. And, you know, maybe even, again, kind of size, you know, being 6'3 as a combo guard is an ideal, and 6'4 and above is generally a good size for a modern point guard. But you look at Jalen Suggs, who's 6'4, 6'5 at the most, uh, being generous, he's a combo guard. I mean, I, I think, I don't know if the size is much of a turnoff to me, because that's a very obvious flaw right away. Um, I don't really have many similarities. He plays like Cole Anthony to an extent where he tries, uh, the way Cole Anthony did it the, in college, where he tries being a three-level score, taking hard shots, kind of being the hero because the team's not that good. Uh, but I don't think that's really a comparison. I haven't found one that I like, but, you know, athletic shot creator is his archetype. So if you can find someone like that, it's probably going to be a lot of similarities. Undersized athletic shot creator. Um, for draft range, I have him in the second round. I have him pretty much, I don't see him going before 40, just because he doesn't have the hype and name recognition and all the momentum yet. I do think that if he gets an invite to the the um, NBA Combine or the second, what's the, there's one for the G League that they do uh, that I'm blanking on the name, would gladly appreciate if someone brought it up to me, but I think it's like the G League Elite Camp or something like that, basically for the guys, the best of the best who didn't make the Combine. Uh, he 100% of the least will be there. I have him currently ranked in my 40s. To be specific, I have Isaiah Wong at 41. So I would feel comfortable taking him pretty early uh, in the draft. I think if he fails, it's because the jump shot doesn't translate. And, you know, despite the numbers pretty much backing it up, there's no statistical flaws in the jump shot. But just not being able to shoot over defenses, that could be a real concern. I think he meets his expectations pretty easily. Um, just as a backup guard who isn't a cakewalk on defense and isn't a liability as a shooter. I think that's, I think it's actually a very simple floor for him to meet. And then he exceeds his expectations simply if the three point numbers are more true than the eye test on the jump shot. I think that's an absolute swing factor for him, that jump shot, because that athleticism, the explosiveness he has to his game um, with the instincts and the quick handle and the space creation, it just does wonders. It makes his game just so much more effective. Uh, and I think he could be a, a good score in a six-man to even starting role. Like, you can never have enough ball handlers that can put the ball in the basket. So that's the Isaiah Wong breakdown. Um, when I come back, I'm going to do the South Carolina guys and Keyshawn Bryant and A.J. Lawson. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Uh, if you don't follow me on Twitter already uh, or just on Locker Room or haven't, inter- haven't used Locker Room before, I'm very involved on there. I like doing shows once a week, uh, generally around Wednesdays or Thursdays afternoons. Uh, it's really fun. You know, there's Q&A section pretty much through chat. I usually uh, let people up to speak if they want. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a really fun app that has honestly changed my entire perspective of how I do draft and just accessibility to a lot of people in the industry. So, I mean, I've spoken with like Mark Stein on there. It's a really fun app if you don't have it and you have an iOS device. 
you're missing out. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. Uh, so go ahead and download the free locker room app now. It's currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join whichever sports groups or teams groups uh, for the latest updates. And follow me there at Mavsdraft to be notified when my room goes live. Goes live, excuse me. I know you won't want to miss it, and uh, I'm planning to be on again this week, Wednesday or Thursday afternoon. Uh, locker room changing the way we talk about sports. This year, the Locked On Podcast Network is partnering with the Draft Network to cover the NFL Draft Live. Get insight and analysis from Locked On local experts and the Draft Network's national experts. Subscribe to the Locked On NFL YouTube page to watch live three-day coverage of the NFL Draft April 29th to May 1st. Welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. Again, my name is Richard Stamen, uh, also known as Mavs Draft on Twitter. I'm going to talk about in this segment, want to just kind of take a deep dive into South Carolina's uh, two prospects that have declared for the NBA draft. And I should mention Isaiah Wong, who I talked about previously in the last segment, has also declared, and so has Ferran Hunt, who will be the next segment. Um, so Keyshawn Bryan, I'll start with him. South Carolina had a weird year. Um, they missed a lot of time due to COVID. They played, eight, I think, barely 20 games. They might have cleared that. I know Keyshawn Bryan himself played 18 games, and as a junior, he took a big step forward. Uh, John Rothstein had acknowledged him as one of the top breakout players in the country. Didn't quite live up to a full breakout in terms of volume. I think he would have, though, in another year had he had, you know, better just, you know, not a pandemic. So my, I'll start with Keyshawn Bryan's stats and uh, background, and then I'll get into why I'm just so high on him, because I have him top 50 as well. Uh, actually, just to kind of preface this, he's only two spots lower than Isaiah Wong. He's number 43 on my board. Um, so Keyshawn Bryan is a 6'5", which this is going to sound underwhelming considering his role. He's a 6'5 combo forward, uh, 197 pounds, almost all muscle of that. He does not look 197 pounds, looks a lot bigger than that. Um, he averaged 14 points per game in 18 games, and that was on in 27 minutes uh, per game. Shot 48% from the field, only 21% from three, 62% from the line. You could probably figure out what his cons are going to be. Um, but he also had five rebounds a game, just about five and a half. 1.3 assists per game, 1.3 steals, and one block per game with 2.7 turnovers. So immediately there's going to be a couple flags, right? Like the jump shot always will stand out. He doesn't have much touch on it. That is an unfortunately potential lost cause, uh, which you're probably wondering at this point how I still have him top 50 if, you know, he's a 6'5 combo forward with uh, very little touch on his jump shot. I'm going against my gut on this one. I, I know I shouldn't trust guys like those, but um, I'm just going to start with it. His athleticism is out of this world. He can, he makes up for his size with just an innate ability to to read, def read offenses, I should say, on the defensive end, plus his athleticism allows for him to make the right play. So he's got great instincts on the defensive end. I think his upside on that end is just out of this world. You know, could be one of your one of the very best defenders on any given team. That's the kind of upside you're looking at. Really strong on closeouts. Um, just really checks all the boxes. You can switch. I think he could be almost in such a weird way at 6-5. He could almost be a small ball 5, which is just such a weird statement if you're not the Houston Rockets from last year. Um, but 
again, most of his flaws are not, none of his flaws almost are going to be coming from the defensive end. However, South Carolina, you're, you might look at some numbers. They were the worst defensive team in the SEC, one of the worst in Power Five. Not because of him, he was the one saving grace, I would say. Just put in a really bad situation. But um, the flaws start coming with the offensive end, so I'm going to dive in on that. Um, you know, automatically, he's the biggest strength I have for him is really good finisher at the rim. Almost 70%. Um, at the line, or excuse me, at the rim, uh, which is pretty dang good if you're not a if you're not a big man. That's if you're about six ten and under, and you're shooting sixty five percent plus, you're a really good finisher. If you're at that seventy, that's borderline elite. And uh, he's in like sixty nine plus, but not quite seventy. So he's very good at the rim. That's an automatic strength, which helps his cutting ability. He just knows how to cut right. That's probably his best role on offense. The problem is again, shooting is very tough for him. Uh, outside of the free throw line, he doesn't like if you're outside of the free throw line range, excuse me, he doesn't add much on the offensive end. So it's a little bit hard to project what he does there. And that is going to potentially be potentially be a fatal flaw. And also he had double the amount of turnovers as he had assists per game. So decision making is not exactly a strength. Um, one area which could be a swing skill is his ball handling. Uh, just kind of needs to improve ball security more than his tight handle. Um, and just being less reckless when he has the ball in his hands. Uh, and then obviously, you know, jump shot. He just he shoots with almost too much arc, which can be a fatal flaw. So those are those are pretty much the negatives. As you can tell, it's pretty much offense is a weakness, defense is a strength. So the sales pitch on Keyshawn Bryant is the hope that you're getting a two-way finisher pretty much. You're getting a guy who, uh, and I hate to use a term that I, I learned admittedly from like 2K, but he really does fit that mold where he's going to finish at the rim at a very high level. He's also going to defend at a very high level, but you have to know that the gaps are not going to be, you know, everything else in between probably doesn't come along. Um, so he, you know, and he, I still think he has a lot of upside. I think that's something that is very underrated, even though he is a junior and a lot of guys in the NBA don't look at upperclassmen in that same regard for upside. So he has a lot, an uphill battle to overcome, but I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. So for comparison, I really don't, again, I'm sorry. I don't have a great comparison or anybody that he's similar to, um, I, I really just struggle to find guys like that, which, again, I know I'm sounding like I'm not making a case for him well at all, but I promise there are guys. I just very bad at comparisons. You'll see it's my weakness. I don't know if he gets drafted. Probably 50 to 60 would be his range. And then to go to expectations. So he's unplayable, won't make it if the offense is just that bad. You know, the this is an offensive-minded league. It's no longer defense, you know, 50-50 like it was way back in the day. But... I think that would be his negative outcome is the defense just doesn't outweigh his offensive weaknesses. Uh, and actually, I just thought of a comparison. Uh, Finney Mavs fans are listening. This is one they'll very well know. Dorian Finney-Smith, his rookie year, was exactly this player. Had a terrible offensive rating, but very good defensive rating. But he was still a negative player because he didn't know what to do on the offensive end. And Dorian Finney-Smith was actually a senior from Virginia Tech, and he has blossomed into a nice role player. Don't know if Keyshawn Bryant's jump shot comes along the same way, but that just kind of popped in my head as I was describing him. Uh, he meets expectations. Honestly, if he plays 10 to 15 minutes a game and provides strong defensive value, also finishing at the rim, kind of like Dorian Finney-Smith did in his rookie year. Uh, and then, of course, to exceed expectations, the offense would have to come a long ways. It's going to be very hard probably for him to do that, or the other way would be to have his defense just be that good that it earns him playing time as a, such a unique role being 6'5 with that athleticism 
and just overall IQ. So on to the next South Carolina prospect, A.J. Lawson. Not to be confused with A.J. Lawson at McNeese State. Uh, if you were looking for that, A.J. Lawson, I'm terribly sorry. I don't have a scouting report. Uh, as I was searching for A.J. Lawson's stats, I found a different A.J. Lawson by complete accident uh, who went to North Texas and now is at McNeese State. So if you tuned in for that, I'm sorry I don't have anything for you. Uh, but this A.J. Lawson from South Carolina is a 6'6" wing with uh he weighs 178 pounds per basketball reference this will probably change as the combine comes uh junior who averaged uh 16 points 16 and a half points per game four rebounds per game 1.2 assists per game 1.5 steals per game blocks were pretty irrelevant he only had a couple not even a handful in his whole career only 1.5 turnovers per game and that was on 39 percent shooting 35 percent from three and 70 percent from the line so there's a lot to take in here. Um, you could pick your poison as to where where to start. I guess I'll start with the weight. You know, 178 at 6'6 as a wing is pretty uh, detrimental. You know, that's a lot of weight to put on for you're going against guys who I, I think that's probably the strongest position pound for pound. You have the Kawhi Leonard's of the world. You know, the, there's a lot of tough guys at, to guard. So how are you going to hang around with the weight? That's an obvious he has to add strength and weight overall. That's where it starts. The second thing for him is that he needs to improve his uh, handle. I think that goes into his turnovers being more than his assists per game. Could also be a team function, but uh, makes some nice live dribble passes with both hands, which is promising. But his uh, his overall playmaking probably won't be very relevant in the NBA. I don't think that's something that NBA teams are really going to be you know holding over his head. It probably... It's not good that he doesn't make a lot of plays, but it's also not the worst thing in the world, given what his role could be. So he's one of the most athletic players in the draft. Um, actually got three of, I got really the four of the most athletic players. I'm starting to notice a trend with uh, who I see as sleepers here. But A.J. Lawson is probably, I mean, top five athlete in the class. There's Jalen Green. A.J. Lawson enters the discussion immediately. Jalen Green is in a tier of his own, of course, but A.J. Lawson is right there. You know, he is the most explosive uh, wing in college. He can just blow by you. Crazy athleticism, first step to the finish. He finishes above the rim very well, despite just an average, like, 57% from the line. Or, excuse me, at the rim. So that's going to be his calling card is his athleticism as a project. He can also shoot a lot better than numbers say. He's a really good spot-up shooter, has always been in the higher percentiles according to Synergy. I'm a believer in his upside to an extent, uh, just depending on what you believe as his upside. I see his uh, kind of just blending this all together. I see his role really as a athletics three-point specialist. I think that could very well be a you know quick feet on the jump shot. It is a little bit inconsistent, hence 35%, but he really improved his uh, jump shot as a junior. Very quick footwork. The release is overall smoother. It's a promising improvement to have. Again, as a junior, uh, you need... You need to stand out somewhere. And besides the athleticism with the improvements, he's shown he can improve year over year. So the weaknesses, though, are the feel for the game is weak. Again, evidenced by the turnovers per game. He just isn't the strongest decision maker and can be just a step slow on making decisions. And I very much so worry about that impacting him in the NBA. I think he might want to go to the G League. Uh, it might be very good for him to be in the G League and for him to be able to just adjust to that unbelievably fast tempo that'll be faster than the NBA. And the defense won't be too much of an issue, but he also needs to improve just shooting off the dribble and playing uh, less 
out of control than he does because, again, the speed just eats him up. And I worry about that as something for him in the uh, in the NBA. So the sales pitch on him, though, is if you're looking for an upside swing at athleticism with an obvious sign to point to in terms of improvement in the jump shot, A.J. Lawson is your guy. Like, that is the guy you probably want. Um, but his NBA comparison, I don't really have <laughs> – I really got to start planning some comparisons more. I might even just cut that out for, for Ron Hunt because I don't have one for him either, spoiler alert. Uh, but his role would be just athletic three-point shooter. So if you think of someone who comes to mind, probably a bench player, let me know. Uh, projected draft range, I think he's going, again, 50-plus, kind of like Keyshawn Bryant. The teams might be intrigued enough to take him in the late 40s, but 50-plus is most likely. He's unplayable if the jump shot isn't there. That is just flat out. He cannot have the jump shot miss. If the jump shot misses, there's no point in uh, there's no point in really gambling on him. Unfortunately, I don't see that as a big expect or as a realistic expectation though. He meets his expectations if he gets honestly if he can shoot 37, 38 percent from three in a limited role. That's a that's big, and also he has to put on weight. That's those that's pretty much his minimum. If he wants to exceed expectations, and this is how he hits the ceiling, honestly, his work ethic is crazy. Let's just, I, I don't know one way or the other, but I imagine so just given the improvements. He gets a better handle on the ball. He can create a little bit more for himself, which would do wonders. He can shoot. I, I Again, I'm very confident that shooting will translate. Of, of these three scenarios, I think the unplayable and the worst case is the most unlikely. He can shoot. The athleticism is there. He can blow by guys. He can just finish at the rim, above the rim. And he, as he adds weight, it just expands his game. And then, you know, give it two years and maybe his uh, his ability to slow down the game will help him a lot. I think it reduces a lot of the negatives in his game. And I think that'll ultimately be a big reason why he would hit this really nice upside that he has. Um, so that's it for AJ Lawson. When I come back, I'll do Ferran Hunt and talk about why I see him as another athletic sleeper. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and pretty easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices on rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on, and that's two words, L-O-C-K-E-D space O-N on their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline.ag. This week has tons of sports action on the go as the NFL draft is on and the Kentucky Derby is back as the first leg of the Triple Crown begins this weekend. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on all your favorite sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts.
Today on the Locked On Today podcast, NFL Draft Week is officially here and the Ravens might shake everything up. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Locked On NBA Draft. Again, my name is Richard Stamen, and uh, you might know me better as at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Uh, again, one of the hosts that do the Tuesday show, of course, As if you're listening to this, on not on Tuesday. Um, so the final sleeper I'm going to talk about is Ferran Hunt from SMU. He is a junior, 6'8", forward, combo forward, uh, 195 pounds, according to basketball reference. As a junior, really didn't change much uh, from his sophomore stats, but I felt his sophomore year was a little bit better. He averaged 11 points per game, eight rebounds per game with two of those offensive one steal per game, half an assist per game, one block per game, and 1.8 turnovers per game. And that was on 56% shooting, 20% from three, and 73% from the line. So very obviously, you can figure out where the strengths and weaknesses start. The The three-point shooting is a weakness. I think that is something that is absolutely a fatal flaw for him in order to be this sleeper that I'm hyping him up to be. He really has to improve the three-point shot. And ultimately, I think he will. I think the... The free throw percentage is there for me to believe it. And, uh, you know, 74% is workable. He has good touch. The problem is his guide hand on his jump shot, I think, just really isn't it. He keeps it back very far. He doesn't use it much in the shot. And you don't want to have a two-hand shot, of course, but you do need your guide hand. There's a reason it's called the guide hand. So I think he just needs to improve that and then add some weight. Those are pretty much the two things for him because as a combo forward, you can't be under 200 pounds at his size with that length because he has, I, I want to say is like a seven, two wingspan It's probably even more, but I know he has at least a seven foot wingspan being six, eight. So that combo forward role was very realistic, uh, which kind of feeds me into his defensive uh, upside and just overall strengths. His defense is outstanding. I think he can guard just about anybody on the court, theoretically uh, any position. However, post-minded fives are probably going to be a weakness for him. I think he can, you know, guard drives from guards on the perimeter pretty easily just because he has crazy level athleticism. He's one of the best athletes in this class. You look at the Jalen Greens and AJ Lawson's, he's right in there. Like he is a he's another top five athlete in this class, which is why I'm not giving up hope on him and why I think he's someone to keep an eye on. Um, so offensively, besides the versatile defensive ability on the offensive end, he's such a strong cutter that in finisher at the rim, he's just outstanding at the rim. He makes a living. If you haven't seen any of Ferran Hunt, look up, just type in on YouTube, Ferran Hunt dunk, and you'll see some of the craziest dunks. He's an absolute lob threat. He's wild, crazy athletic. And he shot 73% at the rim with over half of his eight attempts per game coming at the rim, which is just phenomenal sample size and percentage. You know, 70% is an elite level for any player on the court, let alone a 6'8 forward. So that's something that I'm a big fan of. I think that really translates. Again, if you can fix the jump shot, that's pretty much what you're looking at here is um, a fatal flaw. I, I don't know if he gets drafted. I think if he does, it's going to be one of the last 10 picks. I think uh, for him, the sales pitch, though, is if you're looking for an upside on a guy who has the defensive versatility, the touch of his shot just needs to really improve his shooting form and can get coached up on that. With crazy level athleticism and finishing, I think that's what you're looking for. You know, he has ball skills too. He can put the ball on the floor a little bit and cross guys, not necessarily cross guys up, but, you know, get to his spots with his handle. So I overall am just a big fan of what he brings to the table. I think he's got 
at least the skill set you look for in a in a project, and he's worth taking in the second round. So uh, that's where I have him. And then the final three things I want to touch on are just what his expectations are. So if he fails to meet the expectations, it's purely because of the jump shot or the lack of strength. I think that's pretty fair, pretty easy, straightforward point. He meets the expectations. Honestly, if he makes the roster, that would be very good. I think we're looking at a guy who, if he's on the roster, he's probably, you're looking at someone worth developing and that could have some upside, limited chance to reach it, but still has a very high ceiling. Um, and I, I think you're ultimately looking at a end of bench reserve for a meets expectation role. For and exceeding the expectations, I think you almost have a starter. It's a pretty wide range for him, uh, hence the project status. But his athleticism, ability to put the ball on the floor, finishing, and just defensive versatility could be absolutely crazy. And and he's someone who not many people are talking about. Currently on my big board, I have Ferran Hunt at 67th with, with a very good chance for him to move up. Uh, that's very much draftable range. It's not a knock on him by any means. There's very much so room for improvement. You just won't see him on a lot of boards because he hasn't had a lot of recognition. But uh, so that just about wraps it up. I hope that this was informative and that you learned of some new guys and some new sleepers in this class. Um, yeah, so, I mean, if you want to, I'll be tweeting about these guys forever <laughs> until the draft, at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Uh, but thank you for listening to another episode of Locked On NBA Draft, and be sure to leave five-star review and subscribe. Thank you very much, and have a good rest of your day.